What is up, podcast listeners? Neil here for another episode of the Remote Local Podcast. I got an exciting announcement today. We have a celebrity co-host hopping on here for the next few months. What is up, Johnny? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, next few so, months, I'll be here. Hopefully, get to stay a little longer. Yeah, man. So Johnny uh, has been on the pod a couple of times before. Uh, him and I have talked a lot between the time. Johnny, would you mind giving everyone a little bit about your background, who you are, and why you're a co-host now? Yeah, so uh, a little bit about me. 24 now, just turned 24 five days ago, six days ago, actually. So uh, started a window cleaning business the sweaty way. I say the sweaty way because I was in the trenches mm. cleaning the windows myself at 19 years old. So I've been in the home service world for five years. Um, that's all. pretty much all I know. Only job I've had since 19. And uh, basically was tired of being in the field working all the time, trading time for dollars, you know, owning my job, not owning the business. And I found out about subcontracting and using, you know, independent cleaning com or window cleaning companies to do the work for us because hiring, we started with the business with 150 bucks. So mm -hmm. as we were growing and adding trucks and adding equipment, we were taking all the profit that we were supposed to be using to pay ourselves to reinvest back in the business and buy all this equipment. So we never had cash. Like we never were. We're getting any cash into the bank. All the cash that we did get was going right back into grow, 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 grow. Found out about subcontractors and we were like, wow, we don't have to buy any equipment, we don't have to buy any trucks. Sure, we lose on some branding, but we can just make up for that on the internet with really good reputation, really good website and online booking, all that sorts of things. And uh, we transitioned the business from running it the sweaty way to running it the remote way. So did uh, just under 700K last year. A business is up 25% this year. So should surpass that. <clears throat> and now uh, we, I also started a remote cleaning business for my mom, similar to Neil's uh, franchise, just a singular business here in Orange County called Marion Amok. And I took that business from zero to 12K in revenue with $0 out of pocket. And I replaced my mom's income in three months with a remote cleaning company. And then now we also teach people to do the same thing. So kind of similar to what Neil does, but also different. So not a franchise and we're also... Um, you know, way less uh, on the front. Like we don't have to, you know, deal with the franchise stuff, but we'll talk about that another time. Yeah. Cool, man. Uh, so Johnny, Johnny's what I call like a young hustler, man. I was still working in private equity at 24, not knowing anything about entrepreneurial businesses at all. Johnny's been in the game for a while already. Like you said, remote home services is where it's at. And uh, he scaled his cleaning company from Johnny, you said zero to 12K. That's 12K a month, by the way. So still scaling, mm -hmm. still growing from here. A uh, mm -hmm. ton of wisdom. And yeah, Johnny's run something called Home Service Academy as well. And um, yeah, man, I think we're going to rock the podcast. Excited to have you on. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I forgot your second question too. How did, how did I become a co-host, which was unexpected? Neil DM'd me like <laughs> last week. I was like, hey, you want to be a podcast host? I think I responded within a minute and said, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> it, it fits perfect with what I'm doing, what I tweet about. I tweet all about this remote local stuff. So it's just a perfect fit. And honestly, I love taking on new projects. I see this podcast as an opportunity to, you know, blow this up, get some more listeners in here and kind of see where it goes. So met Neil off of Twitter, actually heard him on some podcasts. Funny enough, he was doing a little mm -hmm. podcast tour on a bunch of different ones. And I kept hearing this dude pop up talking about his remote cleaning business. And I was like, wow, okay. So he's kind of planting the seeds in my head without knowing about subcontractors. Yeah. So I did get some inspiration <laughs> from him. Yeah, love it, man. Now we are on the podcast together. Uh, dude, I want to start off with a banger on your first episode. So I'm going to ask you a question and we're just going to spitball how this goes. How's that sound? Sounds so, like a plan. Let's do it. 
Let's go with uh, Johnny. If you were going to go back in time, or let's say not back in time, now you don't have your businesses as it is, and you want to make your first ten grand. Ten grand. You're maybe working at another job. You want to get out of this, and you're like, I just want ten grand to make sure something works. I need hustle to make ten grand. Uh, I want to hear how you do it, and I would talk about how I would do it as well. So why don't we start off there? Yeah, rules are though we cannot do cleaning, any types of window cleaning or house cleaning. Fair. Okay, fine, fair. No window cleaning, no house cleaning, because clearly we are biased in that realm. So no window cleaning, no house cleaning. Damn, that puts some constraints on this. All right, let's hear how you do it. What would you get started with? Okay, so I don't know if this is cheating based on the rules we just said, but I would absolutely 100% similar to the episode we did uh, a few episodes back. I would do a mobile detailing, and again, apologies if I stole your idea, but yeah. I would 100% do mobile detailing. <laughs> we just talked about this. <laughs> Can we not do that? Should I do something else? The mobile detailing is good. Explain how this would work though. And how would you get your 10 grand off of it while yeah. you're working a full-time job, for example, or a full-time student, something? Yeah, exactly. So assuming I'm 19 again, full-time, I was full-time college student at the time when I started the window cleaning. So I've got no following on Twitter. I've got nothing, no connections, and I need to make 10 grand. I would absolutely do mobile detailing for a couple of reasons. Number one, I like looking at, uh, you know, service-based, home service-based businesses. Uh, mobile detailing is kind of a home service, but instead of, you know, going to homes, you're going to cars. I mean, you're mm -hmm. still mobile. You're still in a truck. You're in a mobile unit driving around. So I would pick that. And the reason I would pick that is because the abundance of subcontractors and independent mobile detailers you can rely on to do the work for you. What I've learned is you can build you can build a kind of remote first brand almost think about it like e-commerce just for home services right you're an internet first service business i would apply that concept to detailing because i can sub out to tons of these mobile detailers i already know mm -hmm. that they're not charging market rates at least 90 percent of them aren't the ones that are advertising uh, there aren't my target subcontractor i'm targeting the guys that are working off word of mouth no wraps on their trucks, solo guys, maybe a helper, no mm -hmm. wraps, anything like that. And I'm going to find them through local Facebook groups, local next door groups, third, fourth, fifth page of Google, Yelp, uh, next door recommendations. And I'm going to call them and I'm going to tell them, Hey, look, this is what our average uh, mobile detailing is. And I'm going to get this pricing uh, through mm -hmm. reverse engineering, the top listings off of Google and Yelp, because I know these guys have probably invested into branding. They're obviously doing something right. If they're showing up on the first page of Google, so I know they're probably charging the prices. Yep. That's that's what I want to charge. I want to charge for the higher end. I want to capture as much consumer surplus as I possibly can. And I want to be able to give a good living and good um, you know, price point to my subcontractors because that's mm -hmm. the number one way to keep them happy is to make sure they're getting paid well. So I want to be able to double, at least double what they're charging in the first place. So if the standard detailer or mobile car washer is charging 40 bucks for inside and out, I'm going to be charging 80 to 100. Or if it's 100, I'm charging 200, right? Yep. What I've also learned is when you're dealing with consumers and not businesses, they don't know market rates as well as businesses do. That's why commercial tends to be raised to the bottom. So I like to stick with residential and dealing directly to consumers because hmm. they're not aware of, of market rates as well. So when you get them on the phone and you're utilizing bottom of the funnel advertising, things like Google local service ads, Google AdWords, things where people are already searching for the service and already wanting to buy. So if they're already wanting to buy, I know I just have to pick up the phone because my competitors aren't. It's no different than cleaning with mobile detailing. I know they aren't picking up their phone because these are these are the operators that are in the field, you know, 
cleaning these cars. Yeah. If they do answer the phone, they're huffing and puffing. I'm going to be entering the phone real professionally, smiling, and I'm going to close them right there before they have a chance to go and call around and shop prices. Sure, you'll get some price shoppers, but I'll be making sure to close them over <clears> the phone so I can book these jobs. And then I would sub out to these independent contractors and give them uh, you know, the same take they would get on a job they earned on their own. But now those subcontractors don't have to rely on you know word of mouth, which can be unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And I can book out their calendars and they can like work in with me and I can, I can kind of, you know, say, Hey, if you want to keep taking jobs, I can give you a bigger take on jobs just to create some loyalty there. What do you think? And scale up from there. I like, mm-hmm. it. I mean, running the same playbook back, which is mm-hmm. perfect. And it's literally what we know, what we know is worked, right? Like I've made millions in revenue from doing that same model and you're doing the same mm-hmm. thing. So hundred percent agree with that. Um, one thing, if I could add to that too of like, I guess, let me just give you my take on how I'd make my first 10K. And I actually think what Johnny said is fully accurate. How I'd probably do it, um, and I'm going to start very general, would be first figuring out what niche I want to get into. So if, if I'm going, if I have nothing right now, I just have the knowledge I have right now, and I'm trying to figure out where to get my first dollar. And I call the first dollar the money milestone. Like when you're at work and you make your first dollar online, like that that feeling is so liberating. I remember, I remember Johnny, I was like, I made my first dollar on Google AdWords. And uh, it was for for cleaning. And I went outside of my corporate building. I was like just dancing like crazy. And I probably lost money. It was on AdWords for like a very underpriced job. Like just the fact that you can make money online is so liberating. So my advice would be for your first 10K, even if you lose money in the first one, the goal is just for you to be able to know that you can make money online. And there's so many damn ways to make money, which is the cool part. So I'd probably figure out what niche I want to get into first. Um, how would I figure that out? I'd probably go to Facebook groups. So on my end, same as you, Johnny, I know local is easier to market. You can try to start e-commerce selling eBay, Amazon FBA. There's all of us have seen these ads online of like, Hey, make a ton of money on Amazon FBA. I just know it's easier to market local, not saying it's a scalable. I just know it's easier to market. So I'm saying, great. I want to go local. How do I know what niche to get into? And if I'm thinking this through, I think, okay, look in a home, there's so many things to do. You have for a household, you have a mobile car detailing, of course, cleaning, window cleaning, painting, um, cooking. Like there's so many different services involved in a home. So trying to go through the list and I'd make a list in my head of all of these different things that can be home services. A quick cheat is I guarantee there's a franchise for most home services that already exist. Go look at home service franchises, see what they're doing. And the reality is just because a franchise is doing it doesn't mean you can't do it because Every there's tons of cities and there's so much demand. Every household's a potential area for demand. So go piggyback off the work people already did who've scaled a large operation. Say, hey, those guys are doing it. I know this model works. So I'd get a list of different industries and home services, which are good. I'd start to go to Facebook groups. And I guarantee there's Facebook groups for every single niche here, right? Cleaning, we know there's a ton. Mobile detailing, painting, vacuuming, uh, not vacuuming, carpet cleaning. Like there's so many different niches. And just spend time in that Facebook group. And even if you don't start a home service company, you're going to be able to play in the home service industry by selling stuff to those people who are operating the business, right? I think there's just a ton of opportunity there. So I'd probably start, and if I really had like no capital to invest and I needed to get money quick, I'd probably do something like um, subcontractor model, find someone who's doing a job for underpriced, let me market them and get more money and start to scrape money that way. If I was making another constraint, if I don't want to run back the same model, I'd probably look at what services I could sell to people in the home service industry that they might need. That could be support coaching. You probably want to get there from experience. That could be they need someone to help set up their online forms. And you could start just getting involved in the group, being in the community and scraping money that way as a freelancer. 
Um, but I do believe there's tons of opportunity in home services, not just from the end customer, but also servicing those people who are in that niche because every single city has a ton of home service providers and they all need help. Most of them aren't doing things that well. So there's just a ton of greenfield opportunity in that realm. So I didn't give a specific answer, but I'd say within home services, there's a lot to do here. Oh, absolutely. To piggyback off what you said, uh, lead generation is an easy one, right? If you've got no money yep. and you want to make your first money online, <clears throat> lead generation is a great way to do it. Only recommendation is read $100 million offers, learn how to craft good offers on Facebook mm. because Facebook Facebook is like the guy on the side of the road pushing you you know, to his barbershop with a big arrow. Same thing. People are on Facebook to see their friends and their family. I'm going to have to catch their eye with something crazy. So uh, if you can learn lead generation on Facebook, that's an easy, easy uh, gateway into, you know, making some money and you can charge ridiculous amounts because you're booking out jobs for these, for these home service providers. And lots of them need a predictable source of leads, which many don't know so how to you're, figure out. You're saying do lead gen for home service companies as one avenue. Yes. Interesting. Uh, okay. I almost, I think uh, I agree with what you're saying with read $100 million offers first. So everyone listening, $100 million offers is a book by Alex Ramosi who talks about how to craft an incredible offer to pitch to people. I think a big issue when you get into home services though, if you're a marketing agency is home service companies are not very knowledgeable about marketing. And if you're saying, hey, you pay me $1,500 a month and I'm going to get you leads, they'll say, no, like, I don't know what you're doing. I'm not going to do it. So it's actually incredibly hard to sell local marketing services. But if you have an awesome offer, like a really, mm. really good offer saying, hey, you don't pay me anything up front. I'll just make a percent of all the jobs I book for you or all the leads I get for you or pay per lead. I feel like that model would work well. You just have to be really, really good at what you're doing. But it's not as hard in my mind to get leads for home services or local services. And I think that's what you're saying, Johnny. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, lots of them aren't going to, they're going to hear 1500 and you make, Oh, hell no. But right. once you get good at it, you do the no money up front, you know, only make money. I only make money when you make money. That's a killer offer. Once you get yep. good at that, you can offer an upfront or that option because you're going to know you'll probably make more money on the commissions that you book anyways for those contractors yep. or home service providers. Or you could even do a crazy guarantee where you say, look, I'll guarantee you 40 closed leads or your money back once you get really good Ooh. at it. That's a good one. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. I would, uh, at least on my end, I don't, I don't have much faith in the closing ability of people in local services. <laughs> That's why we're in the game, mm -hmm. right? All we have to do is pick up the phone. So I might structure it where I don't base off of their ability to close, but based off of how many leads mm -hmm. I'm getting to them, which is great. If you, as long as you could say, hey, this is a qualified lead and I could verify it's qualified lead, which it's very easy to do. You set up call rail, which is a way to track mm -hmm. phone numbers and stuff. You could you could check, check it to qualify lead. I like that business model. I, I feel like it'd be, especially if you can make a name for yourself by joining Facebook groups, putting community around what you're doing. I feel like you'd be able to crush it with uh, digital marketing for local services. Yeah, hundred percent. And then you know you niche yourself in with one specific service, right? Maybe you're the go-to lead gen person for carpet cleaners, right? You don't work yeah. with anybody else, so you can speak yeah. their language. You know, you go to the trade shows. You kind of figure out what they're selling. You can speak to them a little better because they're in your niche and who are they going to trust? Are they going to trust the guy who does lead gen for carpet cleaners? Or are they going to trust the guy who does lead gen for every type of home service? So getting very specialized in it. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, man. Yeah. Another thing you said there I liked was, um, you know, looking at franchises, it might be intimidating. Be like, oh, well, this franchise in here, I don't want to compete. And the biggest thing I notice with new people getting into business and especially local services is they don't understand 
that in local home services, there's no one company that controls more than 1% of the whole market. So you should just 1% be looking would be at these insane. guys. Yeah. Yeah. And you should look at these guys as blueprints, right? And the market will always make room for quality. So you have to realize 90% of competition doesn't even advertise because they're so stuck in their ways of word and mouth. And so I don't really necessarily even believe in market saturation because there's always room for new people to come in and new room for quality. And so it's yep. always, it should always be abundance. It should never be, oh, it's too saturated, right? You can say that about anything and too many people try to focus on trying to find that one thing nobody's tapped into yet. And I don't think that's the best way to go because sometimes there's not demand when nobody's selling it already. Yeah, exactly. Which is why uh, competition is not scary, especially for franchises. Like if a franchise is there, in theory, that means the franchise already said there is enough market demand here to support me selling a franchise here. Therefore, we're opening up shops. It's actually validation and good that the franchise is there. I'd be more concerned if I go to a city and there's no big competitors there. I'd actually be kind of worried. And I've looked at territories where someone wants to open a franchise and they say, hey, there's no one here. I have no competitors here. And that's my biggest worry is that means there's probably no labor here or there's no demand here or else a franchise would have been sold over here already for that market. So yeah, 100%. Definitely, at least with home service, I think an abundance mindset is huge. And man, there's so many ways to make money. Like if we were to rewind the clock and do it all over again, there's just unlimited ways to make money. And it's one of those things in my mind where you can't steer a parked car. Like once you're in the game, you kind of see where the opportunities are and you could make moves from there and figure out where the opportunities lie. Um, but yeah, obviously we're home service stands over here. Cause that's what we know, but truly there's a lot of opportunity and especially nowadays uh, to be fully remote, like both of us are. Yeah. 100%. Just, yeah. You can run, you can run pretty much any home service uh, remotely. Another thing too, is what I like to look for, which is home, home service specifically is unlicensed things. We're both in California. Mm-hmm. Me and you aren't going to go start up some roof, remote roofing business. It's just not going to happen. Too many yep. loopholes to jump through. So don't try to go crazy up front if you don't have a license or you don't know the business. Stick with something unlicensed like cleaning, window cleaning, mobile detailing, things where you don't need all this you know, licensing and experience. You can learn pretty quickly. Do you think there's like, uh, there's a service which is like on the border of being licensed but it's not so it's like unlicensed but just enough barriers to entry where it's not like a pain in the butt you know what i mean like california is kind of crazy but let's say you went to arizona and they don't require a license to be a painter but every other state requires it is that right for opportunity because it's right on the border of being a big barrier to entry but it's not quite there yeah i was actually going to use painting as an as an example so it's funny you said that because for you don't need a, a license for painting in texas but you need one in california so in texas mm. you want to start up a painting business super easy to get in there it's a high ticket only downside is isn't recurring so you're constantly playing the lead generation and sales game all the time yep but it's high ticket so your 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 take home is going to be nice on all those jobs and there's an abundant abundance of painters out there that can do jobs for you yeah and it also <laughs> we're getting into it now but uh john you put up a, a post on twitter one time about uh christmas lighting if you have a painting company or a window washing company where your your guys are already going to be on ladders that is a very strong possibility to add in um, uh, um, Christmas lights. And the reason I'm saying Christmas lights is the first year is technically not crazy profitable, but that is one of the most profitable local services I've ever seen. Like truly the profit margins are insane, uh, but it's extremely seasonal. You make all your money in probably two to three months and that's it. Uh, but if you could cross all that with something you already have created in home services, I think it's a home run. 
Yeah, Christmas lights is amazing. I mean, don't get, don't even get me started on Christmas lights. I've been doing Christmas lights. For, I just we just wrapped up our second year last year, and it's been it's been cool. It's been awesome. And now we've got, are you doing that with subs, Johnny? We are doing that with subs. Wow, so all right. Yeah, so we're doing it with subs. We figured it out. We originally weren't going to do it. We figured it out, and it's still extremely profitable. And like you said, you're not going to make too much on the first year because you're buying all those materials. But the key is, is once they buy the materials from you, that's how you're pitching it to them is, hey, these are our lights. You're leasing them, but we're going to store them for you. We're going to take them down or supply the timers. So you don't have to worry about any of that. We're going to store them year round. So come next year, we can go put them back on same price. You want any bulb changes? We can do that as well. But you're using really, really good high grade material. So odds are stuff aren't going to break. Stuff isn't going to break. And then most customers don't even want light switches. They just want to keep them up. And then you're insanely profitable because you already ate that, uh, you know, cost of goods in the first year. Mm. So second, third, fourth year, you become super profitable. I love that. I've actually, um, by the way, now we're just rambling, but this is great. Like this is, this is the brain power happening right here. Uh, I've always wondered if it'd be good to have almost like what's called a holiday home service business, which is, Hey, I'm going to, we're going to do a Halloween store for, for October. We're going to do Christmas lights for December. Uh, I don't really know what the other seasons would be. I'm sure in terms of like landscaping, there's probably seasons for that spring cleaning. So like, it'd be interesting to have almost a conglomerate business, which is literally seasonal. I, it's either a great idea or the worst idea possible. It's one of the two. It's a great idea. One of, one of our customers in window cleaning, funny enough, owns this mansion in Anaheim Hills. And Mm -hmm. all he does is Christmas lights. But when he's doing Christmas lights, he's running like 12 crews. Mm-hmm. and he's hanging 12 crews worth of lights he's doing on each crew he's doing four thousand dollars of revenue i'm not sure what his net is but if you think about that over six weeks that's typically the season and you'll get some you know one-offs before and out and after some like late hangs but six weeks 12 crews four thousand dollars a crew is typically what a standard two-man crew can put out in light jobs so mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy he does that for you know two months and then he relaxes the rest of the time the whole so he just that for the whole year like that's his revenue. Yep. Jeez, exactly. Been doing it for Jeez. twelve years. So I think the moral of this episode is if you want to make your first ten grand, just get into Christmas lighting and work two months out of the year. As long as you set no, it up seriously. correctly, you can do that. It's as simple as putting out some yard signs if you want to go hang lights yourself too, and you don't mind getting sweaty. You don't want to go remote right off the bat. You get the hang of things. Throw up some yard signs around a neighborhood. Easy money. Easy yeah. money. I love it. Tons of ways to make money. Another quick one. And this is something similar to what Neil was saying. When you start getting in the trenches and you start driving that vehicle, you'll start to see opportunities. And so an opportunity I see in the light space is these lighting distributors who are selling lights are charging crazy money per bulb, paying like 90 cents a bulb. But Mm -hmm. when I, you know, reverse search their suppliers, because there's the tools that do that. You can see what factories are sending, um, materials to these companies they're buying these these christmas lights for 10 cents a bulb 20 cents a bulb in bulk from china so if you ever wanted to sell christmas lights there is a huge market for people home service companies who pivot to you know the christmas lights to keep their guys busy in the slow season Mm -hmm. to sell them to because uh, we run into <clears throat> material problems all the time with you know running out of warm, warm white lights like we need warm white lights all the time so uh, there's like specialty guys we go to, singular guys who run these Christmas light shops. They just sling Christmas lights during Christmas 
uh, one man one shows. demand high and just keep mm-hmm. it keep it stored until then. Exactly. So Jeez. opportunity. It, as it, well. Perfect example of there's so many damn opportunities in home services. It's crazy. It's crazy. And like we're just scratching the top surface of it. Uh, but tons of opportunity to make money. And uh, Johnny, I'm stoked to have you on, man. I'm sure we're going to unearth a lot more of these going forward with you as a co-host. So stoked to have you on. 100%. Yeah, man. I'm excited. Cool. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to an episode of the Remote Local Podcast, and we will both catch you next week. Thanks again for listening, guys. There are two ways I could help you out. Number one is with May This Franchise. If you want to get into business but don't want to go at it alone, we have you covered with everything from A to Z. Check out madethisfranchise.com to start your own remote local business. The next is with the Remote Local Blueprint, which is a course I launched to teach you the foundations of starting your own remote local business in any niche. It's do-it-yourself at your own pace, and you can check that out at blueprint.beremotelocal.com.